This podcast is explicit from the start and not suitable for children. Well, I just, I guess, like, this is going to sound very cliche, but it's just the jungle is fucking amazing. I've never been anywhere like that ever or had an experience like a place so overwhelmingly different and so powerful. It's ridiculous. Like, you can sense everything from that place is special. And, then, and just the way people go about it, knowing that how dangerous it is, like, on a natural level, you know. There's things that are, like, a threat to your life, just at arm's reach all the time. And then just everything else about it is amazing, like, the smell of it, the look of it. The jungle at night is the craziest thing I've ever experienced in my life. just shut the fuck up and you start to just be overwhelmed with everything you listen to groups of monkeys that could be like 10 kilometers away from you doing something and then like people that are around you they try to explain everything to you and then you realize that the way they go about their lives is very mystical which is amazing because it's the realest place on earth there's no simulacra there, you know, like it'll eat you up, that's it. Like you're completely out of the elements. Yet, the way they go about everything is very mystical. So they like use a certain route for this and this and this and this and this. And then when you realize the list of things that that thing helps you with is amazing. But it's also the alcohol that they drink. And that gets you really, really drunk. But the next day you don't really feel hungover, which is very strange for a drink. But over there, that's what they drink. When I finished film school, I was like 23. And I was living in Argentina. And at the time, I wasn't really feeling okay with like my situation there. I felt like an outsider. So I decided to go, like, take a time off and then go back to Colombia and try to do something there that sparked my interest. And I um, got a studio and a gallery because I also paint and do lots of more visual things. And with the people that I met through there for after a while, we decided to do a wandering cinema in Colombia and try to offer, like, project that would take us places around our country because we barely knew it because obviously growing up in Colombia was very complicated traveling around was impossible it was easier to go abroad and I kind of grew up disconnected from that part of my country I knew like the main cities and that was it 
and you could never take a road, a road trip anywhere it was dangerous. And so it was always like taking flights to like different parts. You couldn't really connect it, you know. We decided that maybe like a film project of that scale could connect us with these places. And at the same time, we thought that we'd like offer people the experience of cinema, but away from like the small screen and the TV screen and like actually bring people together somewhere and have them collectively watch something. And we wound up in the Amazon jungle. And the whole idea was for us to like take these films and project them in wide open spaces and just go through the rivers as far as possible and try to get as many screenings in as possible in like the space of a week. Because we were like being helped by the government, they had a selection of films that was approved by them, so we had to like curate it and people that were going to watch that were mostly children as well. So we went with like The Wizard of Oz and a documentary about penguins and like things that they would really have like no idea that existed. First thing you think about when you like think about doing this and going to the jungle and going to like the furthest place away from the big cities and whatnot. You don't expect to find like emo kids like watching Slipknot videos on their phones with like the full emo garb and the metal studs and the leather belt. At least I like misjudged that part of my trip before I went. So I thought that I was going to encounter at least less of like Western culture like embedded into their lives. But then as soon as we got there, we realized that most of the places that you're like close to civilization, they pay direct TV because they get the news and stuff. So all their huts have satellite dishes. We had more impact showing them like nature documentaries about things that they couldn't really like grasp than by showing them like amazing movies that like are old. So like our plans were like more surprising. In like the typical jungle tale, you know, like you go further down the river, like pure apocalypse now, and your experience with it is more like stripped down of everything and you're letting stuff go as well. And at the end of our journey, I met this amazing human being. We were going to show a movie to like people that live far down the river. They have energy until two or three o'clock in the afternoon. And they had to not do certain things throughout the day out of their normal routine, just so we could have enough energy to show a couple of films at like five. And this guy was the counselor, I guess, to the leader of the tribe. It was very interesting because he kind of knew a lot about me. And the way that he, like, explained how he knew all these things was really, like, weird to me because I'm very skeptical about things. 
the day that everybody decided to take ayahuasca, I didn't really want to do it. And it was like not even said, you know, like I wasn't questioned about it. And the guy knew, so he didn't even push it upon me or anything. At the beginning, I was kind of weirded out by him. This guy was like very dry for like the first four or five hours. And then when he realized that everyone in the community was like cool with us, then he started to like warm up. We started walking around his village and he started telling me that he kind of knew that I was going to go there and that the way that he communicates with the spirits kind of like gives him certain moments of the day he has like clarity and he can just see what's ahead, further ahead and he can also sense what's happening like further down as well. And he knew that we were going there. He knew that my friends wanted to do this. And he knew that, like, the turmoil that was going on in, like, our relationships because we were, like, having some issues with the way things were being handled and things like that. And he was just amazing. And he told me that the spirit of the jaguar had told him that a very spiritual person was going to go with this group of people. And in his words, like, he just was told a lot about me and who I was and what I did. And it was great. It was weird. He started to explain to me things that I guess he had already spoken to a lot of people about in his life and how they see things and how we see things and how, like, for them, certain animals represent certain things and how he compares certain movements to certain creatures and we talked a lot about snakes and jaguars and birds he also talked a lot about flowers and he would ask me things about my life and my family but he already knew the answer he knew I had brothers more than one he knew I had like a good communication with my mother not so much my father he knew I was going through, like, heartbreak at the time. It's astonishing. But I guess people can be very good at fishing these kinds of things out of you, too. But I've always been kind of open to different approaches to my spirituality my whole life because I grew up Catholic and I wasn't really into it. By the time I had to do my first communion, you also have to do your first confession. And my experience of my first confession was horrible. I hated it. We had this priest that was very heavy, American guy, and he had an illness in his eyes that made like the pigment in his eyes really scary. It was like he had cataracts, but not really. But he could see perfectly, so he would like stare at you. And my first confession was like being alone in a room with that person, with this gigantic Christ, wooden Christ, all painted in oil. And he grabbed your hands and he placed your hands on Christ, 
and you had to confess your sins and you're seven years old. That was my first experience with that. And ever since then, I was like, no, this, this can't be it. Since I was a kid, I don't want to partake in this. So I was, when I grew up, I tried meditation for a while with a friend and all these different aspects of like what a spiritual life can be. And so I guess it was easier for me to communicate with him because I kind of like understand a little bit about that or I'm curious enough. Yeah, well, my friends were going off on their weird trip. I was on my own discovery of things as well. We talked a lot about me in our conversations, which was strange. I rarely do that with anyone. I've always been very private in certain aspects of my life. I think that it's something very valuable, like especially nowadays. Like Everyone's just... There's no sense of like real privacy and no value in like your own personal things and the things that you cultivate on your on your own, I guess, and your point of view. And yeah, to have a conversation like this with a stranger, no less, was very particular. I was thrown off, certainly. But I thoroughly enjoyed it because I also felt like we were having a conversation as like adults. But he was very opening, like enlightening, I guess. And his approach to things really stuck to me. I like that. I feel like since then I've had like a very different go about my things. And I realized that I was holding myself back from lots of things in my life and I was doing lots of things just to please certain individuals and like to keep them happy so I can do my own stuff on like the back I grew up playing golf for example in my family we've always done that since I can remember and I wasn't really into it but at the same time I was good at it so I kind of just kept on doing it but I never really wanted to do it in the first place I wanted to do all artistic things and like play music and paint and do all these other things and skate. I wanted to skate my whole life. But I had to like wait until I was like my late 20s to start back up again. But I think it all stems from like that trip for sure. And it, at the beginning when I was in there, I didn't really realize it. I like, I get it from hindsight, which is great. Because at the beginning it's so fresh that it's just this, I met this crazy dude and he told me this and this and this. But then now I look back on it and it's like, it was a great, it was a really powerful encounter. And I was learning lots of things, but not like, I was absorbing them, I guess. I wasn't like being told what to do. But it was just his presence. I was awesome. And yeah, I just awoke this like thirst for like things. And I realized that I'm going to die and that's it. And I used to be very shy, I guess, when I was younger. But ever since then, I'm like, fuck it. Like, if I want to do something, like, just go for it, really. And that has, like, opened lots of doors for me because I can, like, have conversations with strangers a lot. 
It's something that I started doing a lot after I started talking to him. After his encounter, I realized that this is something possible, you know, like you can have a meaningful conversation with a stranger about things that you would never imagine. So then you become very curious, and I'm very curious about life and people and what they think and feel and like the fictions that surround them. I'm super curious, like if they believe in the tarot or the star sign or the moon or whatever crazy thing they can like throw at me in that sense. I'm super curious. And this was like the best encounter in that sense, I guess. If you like the podcast, please rate and review it on iTunes. You can subscribe there and on Acast for future instalments of the podcast and more stories from the back catalogue from everyone else. <laughs>